on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. College football loses a coaching innovator and one of its most unique personalities. New Zealand permanently bans the sale of tobacco. That means cigars, too. Cigar roller crisis in Nicaragua? Thanks, Joe Biden. Former House Speaker John Boehner is a sobbing beta. And former Italian Prime Minister and pro soccer team owner Silvio Berlusconi is the greatest motivator in sports history. We have the proof. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in Corojo, Maduro, and Connecticut presentations. Fire up a Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. The holiday season is upon us. Hanukkah starts tomorrow evening at sunset, followed by Christmas. One week later, we are in full season greeting mode. Long ash greetings and salutations. A long ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. It is Cigar Dave, your global five-star general, alpha male in chief, front and center, command center alpha, humidor 1A in the Cigar City. And as uh, as always, this time of year, I extend a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, seasons, greetings to all. This week, this past Monday, college football lost a coaching innovator, one of its most unique personalities. Mike Leach passes away really unexpectedly at the age of 61. I was a huge, and still am a huge, Mike Leach fan, going back to when he was the head coach at Texas Tech. I mean, who would watch Texas Tech? Nobody. And when he became the head coach in 2000, the air raid offense that he installed was exciting to watch. Fast-paced action totally revolutionized the game. When you look at football today, both on the college ranking or college college level and National Football League, the air raid principles that both Hal Mummy, who Mike Leach worked for as his offensive coordinator, and of course Mike Leach, they have really changed the game. And he passed away unexpectedly. I did not realize this. Uh, it turns out that throughout this season. Mike Leach was battling pneumonia. And when you looked at him, now that I look back at some of his press conferences and his interviews, he, he was coughing. Uh, he definitely did not look well. And apparently people said, oh, he had a massive heart attack. What it turns out looks as though it was heart failure. And the result of that is when you have a lot of fluid around the heart, fluid around the lungs, start to get uh, puffy. And he did. And now that we look back, it probably would have been a great idea for him to take a medical leave of absence to try to get well. And it really is unfortunate because not only was he an innovator, a great coach, certainly a unique personality. When we look today at football coaches, most of them, college, NFL, definitely NFL, they're boring. You ask I'm a Bill, huge Bills fan, as people know. But you asked Sean McDermott a question. Coach McDermott, what do you think about the sunny blue skies that are out today? Well, I'd really rather not comment on that. You know, sunny blue skies are good. Cloudy skies are good. But I'd really prefer not to comment on that. It's milk toast. They're bland. You look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban isn't one of the most dynamic personalities in college football. He always doesn't, if you ever look at Nick Saban, he never looks happy. He doesn't look happy on the sidelines. He doesn't look happy in his press conferences. Now, I will say this. I did meet him in Tampa about three years ago, 
and I joke with him, uh, and I said, and he had his you know crimson blazer on, and I said, hey, coach. My, my, my Syracuse University is an alum. My Syracuse University Orange Men, they've, they've already recruited all the great players. And he was a good sport. He laughed about it, shook my hand, and said, you know, I used to coach at Syracuse. And I did not know that. He coached the defensive backs um, way back, one of his first coaching jobs. So I chatted with him for about a minute on that, and he was very cordial. But he does, he's not the kind of coach that's going to wax poetic at length about subjects aside from football. Mike Leach was completely different. Reporters could ask Mike Leach about football. They could ask him about history. At the SEC media event in, I think it was July, June or July, one of the reporters asked him about Netflix recommendations. And of course, Mike Leach goes on for about Seven, eight minutes on different Netflix recommendations. He just was a unique character. People do not realize that he was an attorney. He graduated with a law degree from Pepperdine University, never played football. He played rugby, but never played football, which certainly is very unique. You look at most coaches, they've played football. He did not play football. He created this unique air raid offense, very simple. Coaches have said it's not a hard, you know, the, the, the practices are relatively simple. The principles are simple. You know what's coming at you, and yet you still can't stop it. Lane Kiffin, the coach of Ole Miss, very interesting because you look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, big rivals. And there's a lot of hatred within the state, you know, like you see Florida State and Florida. And when they both became the head coach the same year in 2000, Both had coached previously in the Pac-12 together. Mike Leach at Washington State and, of course, Lane Kiffin at USC. And they had been friends for many years. And they said when they came, people wanted almost to be like a hatred, and they just didn't have that. They had mutual respect. And and Lane Kiffin really looked pretty shaken up. He was interviewed on ESPN. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and he really – looked shaken up. He said, we were friends. He said, we, we competed, but we would always get together in Key West. And speaking of Key West, I'll never forget after Mike Leach really got a bad deal at Texas Tech in 2009, after an eight and four season, he gets fired. Craig James, the former SMU football player running back, and then he was a media personality on ESPN and CBS was really a meddling father. His son, a wide receiver, sustained a concussion, and the trainers and the doctors said, look, you you don't want him outside. You want to keep him inside. And then there was an accusation they put him in a shed, which was nonsense. He was told to go in the locker room. It was never corroborated, but Craig James used his bully pulpit, being a national broadcaster, to really go after Mike Leach. To the point that the university fired Mike Leach after guiding the program from a... I mean, Texas Tech was nobody. Since Mike Leach has left in 2009, Texas Tech has done shit. Haven't had winning seasons. Haven't done much at all. But Craig James went on and and really a lot of people at Texas Tech were ticked off. And it boiled down to the fact that his son wasn't a great football player... He was like one of those meddling dads. you got to play my son more. And that's really what it boiled down to. If it were today, his son would go in the transfer protocol and transfer out. Go somewhere else to play. And Mike Leach defended himself, said, we never put him in a shed. We made sure he was inside, in the locker room. And there was a hole to do. And ultimately, Texas Tech, again, what we see are many weak college presidents, just like we see executives we see CEOs. We see, we see uh, high-level management. They're afraid. They're timid. They're betas. The first sign of trouble, what do they do? They go under a rock. They roll over. They apologize. They, they say, okay, fine. We'll get rid of people. We'll, we'll fire. We'll, we'll, we'll cave in. I say no. Be an alpha. Stand up and take the fire. But they didn't do that with Mike Leach. Long lawsuit. I think it still was going on when Mike Leach passed. Maybe maybe it was settled. 
But Mike Leach, by all accounts, everybody that came across him, rival football coaches, players, media, love the guy. Some great stories coming out about Mike Leach. And he really was an alpha. He was unafraid to talk about any subject. He was entertaining. He was quirky. So what? Love pirates, love swords. And what you may not realize is that Mike Leach is a noted author. Had two books that he wrote. One written in 2011, a year, two years after he left Texas Tech. Swing Your Sword, Leading the Charge in Football and Life. I went on to Amazon. The hardcover is out of print, but it is available in Kindle. So I picked that up, bought that. I'm going to start reading that. And another book that, again, four and a half stars, four and a half star rating. And you'd never think about this. You'd say, wait, Mike Leach would probably be writing books about football, coaching strategy. Nope, this one was on history, entitled Geronimo, Leadership Strategies of an American Warrior. I picked it up in paperback on Amazon. Can't wait to read that as well. I've got about a four-book reading list that uh, I'm looking at right here at uh, Command Center Alpha, and I will get to all of them. But that book was written in 2015. Again, four and a half stars. Leadership Strategies of an American Warrior, Geronimo. Mike Leach, the author. Smart guy. People that met him said one of the smartest people they ever met. Forget about football. Just a super, super smart guy. And he would talk about anything. And here is a perfect example. Mike Leach was asked by one of the members of the media at Washington State when he was at Washington State. And by the way, Mike Leach never coached in any humongous programs. Mike Leach's record when he passed away was 158 wins, 107 losses. He took a Texas Tech team after being the Oklahoma offensive coordinator one season for Bob Stoops. One season, offense skyrocketed to number one in the Big 12. He was immediately hired the following year, 2000, to be the head coach at Texas Tech. He goes seven and six in his first year, seven and five in his second year. Then he goes nine and five, eight and five, eight and four, nine and three, eight and five, nine and four, culminates 2008, 11 and two. 2009, 8-4. Now, Texas Tech, you are not talking about an Alabama, a Penn State, a Michigan, an Ohio State, a USC, a Florida. You are not talking about a Georgia. You're not talking about an old-line historic power program. You're talking about a college in Lubbock, Texas. Not the biggest market in Texas. Definitely not the first team in Texas. Not the second team in Texas. Not the third team. You could say SMU. Maybe you could say that uh, uh, TCU. I mean, there's all these programs in Texas. Texas Tech was not one that you'd think, ooh, definitely in the top three. Bottom rung. Mike Leach goes 84-43 and with Texas Tech. He was out of football for three years. Interviewed for various jobs, couldn't get it. And really, the Craig James affair put a damper on many people, many of the athletic directors wanting to hire him for several reasons. They're like, well, you know, he's a little controversial. He's a little out there. In fact, Tennessee had the opportunity to hire Mike Leach. I think it was around 2016, 17, something like that. In fact, the athletic director from Tennessee flies out to Los Angeles to meet with Mike Leach, who was in Southern California on a recruiting trip. They got together, athletic director loved him, said, look, I want to offer you the job. I've got to go back and talk about it. He gets summoned back to Knoxville, Tennessee, the athletic director. When the chancellor or the president of the university finds out about it, they try to call him for six hours. Well, he's on a, he's on a transcontinental flight. The Wi-Fi isn't working. Text can't. T- We've all had that happen. Where you've been on a plane and they say, sorry to inform you, the Wi-Fi is not working. Oh, great. Now you got two, three, four, five, six hours. And on a transcon flight, that's the worst. So the athletic director can't, they can't make contact with him. As soon as he lands, he sees all these messages. 
And the athletic or the president or the chancellor says, you need to come back here, fly back immediately. He said, well, I can't fly back until tonight. I'll take the red eye. Fine, I want to meet you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Now, they had a pretty much a, a handshake deal to bring Mike Leach in as coach. But Philip Fulmer, the former head coach, interfered. Next thing you know, the athletic director flies back to Knoxville. The next morning at 9 a.m., he goes into the chancellor's office, president's office, whatever it is. The athletic director gets fired or puts out, suspended with pay, then eventually gets fired. Philip Fulmer, who's no prize. You talk to a lot of people around football, not well-liked. Not very well-respected. And by the way, Johnny Majors, who was a legendary coach at Tennessee and at Pittsburgh, Johnny Majors got pushed out of his job in a coup d'etat by Philip Fulmer, who I believe was his defensive coordinator. Fulmer doesn't have the most stellar reputation. So the athletic director gets whacked. Fulmer comes in, and the next thing you know, they hired, I think, Jeremy Pruitt, who was the defensive coordinator at Alabama. He was a dud. Then they bring in another coach after that. He was a dud. And another coach after that. He was a dud. And who do they end up hiring? Josh Heupel a year or two ago. Josh Heupel was a player for Mike Leach. Coached under Mike Leach. Knows the air raid system in and out. So it's kind of interesting how it all comes around. And think about this. Had Tennessee, had the chancellor not interfered, had Philip Fulmer not interfered, Tennessee would probably be in the top 10, maybe even a national champion. Mike Leach never worked at a premier program, yet he won. That's not an easy feat. When you're not at a facility, at a school that has the best facilities, that has the stellar premier background of, of, of going back, you know, 100 years like a Michigan. But after Texas Tech takes three years, he goes to Washington State 2012, turns that program around. Eight seasons. Took him from 3-9 and nine to the pinnacle in 2008, 11-2, and, two, and a, a number 10 ranking, both in the AP and the coaches poll in 2018. And in 2020, Mississippi State needs a coach. Who do they bring in? Mike Leach. The athletic director said, we're willing to do it. And let's face it, Mississippi State, you're not number one in Mississippi. Ole Miss is number one. Mississippi State is kind of the also-ran. But what did Mike Leach do in his three seasons? He takes them from four and seven his first year. By the way, his first season, he beats number six LSU, first game of the season. Number uh, In the second year, 2021, goes from four and seven to seven and six, and this season, eight and four. And he's got a bowl bid to the ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa, here in the Cigar City, formerly the Outback Bowl. And it is going to be a very, uh, there's going to be a dark shadow that is cast over the ReliQuest Bowl. The players all said we will play. Mike Leach would want them to play. But you know it's going to be a very, very somber bowl. It's, 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 it's kind of one of those things where it's uh, you're happy to be playing in a bowl, but the sadness uh, uh, that will take place knowing that the guy that led you there, the coach that everybody loved, Mike Leach, will not be there. He will be that in, uh, be there in spirit. So it's kind of a it's a sweet and sour type of type of situation. Interesting story I want to just relate. Mike Leach had a place in Key West. I've been going down there for years and years and years. In fact, he applied to be the high school head, uh, the head coach of the Key West Conks, a high school in Key West, and he got turned down. They basically said, nope, you don't have the experience. Could have been the best thing that ever happened to him because the next thing you know, he ends up uh, on a meteoric rise in college football. But this must have been around 2000, I don't know, maybe 2010, 2011, and he was doing some broadcasting. He was doing some analysis for CBS radio. He was doing some MTV. He was doing some analysis for uh, Sirius XM on their sports channels. And I happened to go in. I was down there for a weekend. Easy trip from the Cigar City of Tampa. And Key West, three days is plenty. If you ever go down to Key West, three days, two nights, plenty. More than that, nah, you don't need to do that in Key West. But I do suggest you go to the Harry S. Truman 
uh, uh, Winter White House. Very unique tour, great history there. And it's a cool place to go. You know, you go to, you go to uh, what is it, uh, uh, Duval Street. You know, you, you, you go to some of these Sloppy Joe's is a great bar. There's just some really cool places to go. But three days, two nights is plenty. So I'm down there. It's mid-morning one day. And uh, I'm walking into this coffee shop. This like, uh, you know, it's like a local type coffee. It's not a Starbucks or a chain. It's, it's a local place. And as I look over, I see a guy coming in on a bike and parking his bike, you know, putting it in the rack. And I kind of do a double take. It's Mike Leach. And I remembered that he had always gone down there and that was one of his favorite spots. In fact, when he got the Washington State job, he never sold his, his uh, I don't know if he had a condo or a, a house or a cottage down in Key West. Never, never sold it. But I remember that a number of people that I knew in football had said, oh yeah, Mike Leach, he, he hangs down there all the time. He's got a place down there. So I kind of did a double take and I went, Coach Leach. And shook his hand, nice enough guy. And I said, listen, I got to tell you, I used to watch every one of your games. I said, Texas Tech, who knew Texas Tech? But I said, when I started watching your games and your offense, I started watching it, and I loved watching Texas Tech. And let, let's face it, with ESPN and, and uh, all the college football that's on cable, they would pl- you know, you'd always see some of their games on. Couldn't have been nicer. And, uh, and I said, you know, what are you doing down here? And then I said, oh, wait, I remember. Some friends of mine told me you have a place. And he said, yeah, I love coming down here, whatever. And I said, listen, good luck. I hope you get another job because you deserve it. Great coach. Super nice guy. Gets the job at Washington State. There are eight seasons and Mississippi State. But he never, for whatever reason, whether it's his personality, whether it was his quirkiness, he never, I think, number one, got the true respect that he deserved. And number two, never really was courted, aside from Tennessee that one time that didn't work out, never really courted by the big power schools. Do I think a University of Florida or a Florida State should have hired him? Damn right. I would have loved to have seen Syracuse hire him. He would have been a great coach at Syracuse. I would have loved to have seen any of the big programs hire him in the Big Ten or you know in the SEC. But he never really got that chance. He was always at those, you know, lower rung schools. But what there's the old adage, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Mike Leach made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Because Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State, not exactly the premier landing spots for a coach. Dan Mullins was the head coach at Mississippi State, was successful. Gets the University of Florida head coaching job. Didn't do much at Florida, but I'll tell you, Mike Leach absolutely would have done. He won everywhere he was at. Now, Mike Leach, again, as I mentioned, was a very unique guy. You could ask him anything. A reporter, when he was the head coach at Washington State, asked Mike Leach. He was about to get married and said, you know, coach, do you have any tips on you know wedding advice wedding preparation mike leach only in his unique style could go on for about three and a half minutes take a listen well it's so it's too late to rescue you uh the uh the best wisdom that i can possibly give uh the best wisdom i can possibly give on that subject nine days and it's a little late you should have come to me sooner um the uh my wisdom would be uh, you, you have to stay out of the way. Now, and I wish you a very happy marriage, and I'm sure you'll have one. But uh, I'm just telling you, uh, when it comes to marriages, uh, the women lose their mind. Your fiancé is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And... Um, and that you, they're gonna they're gonna barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. 
should we seat this this way or th that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, so what color invitations? Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over with. You're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. And then, um, well, uh, uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep away from you until uh, after you're married. So what you need to do is you need to work late hours, work late, be, be very nice and supportive, and um, uh, but but they're going to play keep away from you, and, and there's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay. So so you need to work late, uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you have to go uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you eloped. But um, uh, nevertheless, you need to find, uh, you need to find um, excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. And, uh, but uh, take comfort in knowing that uh, once the ceremony's over, um, that uh, you know, life will get progressively better from there even though there's some adjustment. Only Mike Leach can give that unique advice. And he wasn't offended. Like if somebody asked him a question, it wasn't a big deal. He's like, how dare you? I'm not going to answer that. Mike Leach was one of a kind. You will never see a Nick Saban answer that. You will never see any other head coach besides Mike Leach. And when you look at Mike Leach, the number of the coaches and the people that are under his tree, it really uh, is pretty incredible. Here are some of the coaches uh, who worked uh, assistants that ended up getting head coaching jobs and moved on to bigger and better jobs. Dave Aranda the uh, former defensive coordinator at LSU, now the head coach at Baylor. You look at Art Bryles. Now, there's some controversy there. He was at Houston and Baylor, but still a damn good coach. Sonny Dykes, now the head coach at uh, TCU, and before that, SMU, Cal, and Louisiana Tech. Dana Holgerson, head coach at West Virginia, and now at Houston. Ruffin McNeil, who was the head coach at Easter, uh, East Carolina. Probably the most well-known, Lincoln Riley the head coach at Oklahoma, and now the head coach at USC, University of Southern California. And how about Cliff Kingsbury? Cliff was Mike Leach's quarterback at Texas Tech, and then he became the head coach at Texas Tech. Didn't do much there, but now he's the head coach at the Arizona Cardinals, not doing much there either. However, still, to be able to become a head coach on the collegiate level and now the National Football League level, uh, is uh, is uh, pretty impressive. And when you when you talk to any of these, or when you listen to any of the interviews, they all say, I owe my entire career to Mike Leach. And one interesting story that came up that I happened to read, people would say that, that, you know, media would say they would call him, he would call back, you know, sometimes late, but he'd always call back. There was a story about a kid who's now in one of the major newspapers uh, or networks, and he was a... Uh, a reporter for the college newspaper, student reporter, the college newspaper at Texas A&M. And Texas Tech had upset Texas A&M uh, at Texas A&M. And it was late, probably two, three hours after the game. The reporter was you know, trying to finish up things and left the press box. And all of a sudden he sees, he's walking on the field and he sees Coach Mike Leach on the field. Couldn't believe it. So he said, well, let me just go. Maybe I can get a quick comment. He said, hey, Coach Leach, I I'm so-and-so from the student 
Texas A&M newspaper. Can I just get a real quick quote from you? Not only did Coach Leach give him a quick quote, he ended up staying, he said, for 30 minutes, asking, you know, in a conversation and, and asking about the kid, asking about the reporter. That's the kind of guy that he was by every single account. The kind of guy that you want to just say, hey, I want to hang around this guy. Just very, very unique. 60 Minutes did a very unique uh, kind of bio on him. That is available online. And Coach Leach, November 28, 2018, when he was head coach at Washington State, sends out a tweet saying, Hey, WSU students, I'm thinking about teaching an evening seminar class next semester with my friend Senator Baumgartner. Leadership lessons in insurgent warfare and football strategy would meet once a, uh, once a week for about six weeks. Would this be of interest? Well, they got 50,000 inquiries. 50,000. The Pac-10, uh, Pac-12 network did a feature on Mike Leach, and they brought this up. Take a listen. Very interesting. And this spring... After an overwhelming Twitter response, Mike Leach joined up with former Washington State Senator Mike Baumgartner to teach a six-week seminar, Leadership Lessons in Insurgent Warfare and Football Strategy. I want to welcome everybody here to this class. Anytime you do a teamwork thing, there's a lot of moving parts, so we'll try to make this as seamless as possible. In addition to that, one of the biggest things that uh, this type of a setting has to offer is... uh, a variety of people and their ideas and thoughts and things like that because uh, we're kind of commingling subjects here that have more in common than I guess that either me or Senator Bumgartner realized uh, when we initially uh, started talking about this. I got into the world of counterinsurgency when I was in Iraq uh, during the Iraq surge and what I found is it was easier to explain concepts of counterinsurgency if I would use football as a paradigm and a metaphor to explain some of the concepts, and that really the students kind of got it. And then when I looked at Coach Leach, you know, he is an insurgent revolutionary. What he has done with the air raid, his ability to take underdog forces and attack conventional forces and take conventional strengths and turn them into weakness with his strategy. And Mitch, nice job, and that's six. Desmond Patman gone. You know, I guess we should also say that, you know, neither of us think that uh, that football is war. You know, sometimes it's an analogy to get made. You know, war is life and death. Football is a game. But there are things that you can learn, you know, from this paradigm. Philosophy-wise, we want to maximize space. We want to attack the entire field. Now, the entire field is 100 yards long. So by attacking the whole field, I believe you pretty much have sideline to sideline and about 30 yards downfield. And the reason you have 30 yards downfield uh, consistently is that's about what you can pass protect for. He's wrote about Geronimo, uh, he's wrote about football, uh, he's talked about you know chasing raccoons. How does he, I don't know how he knows this stuff, but um, he puts out himself every day and I think, I think it's awesome, I think it's how it should be. People ask me questions, I'll answer anything. I don't know, I've always felt like this, I've always felt like uh, you know, if you be honest and call it like it is, then there's less to keep track of. And I think that started in law school or even when I was a kid. I would have absolutely loved taking that class. Leadership lessons in insurgent warfare and football strategy. That would have been priceless. Coach Leach, in 21 seasons... Got his team to a bowl game in 19 of those 21. Truly amazing. Total winner. And he will be missed. You can tell. I spent so much time uh, thus far in this edition of the Cigar Dave Show because I respected him. I just thought he was one of the most amazing uh, coaches and certainly characters and one of the smartest and the brightest. Could have, you know, goes to law school and becomes, uh, says, I'm going to be miserable as a lawyer. I'm going to coach football. Never played football, played rugby but never co- or played football, but he was an incredible coach. You need a 60% winning record to get into the College Football Hall of Fame as a head coach. Right now, Mike Leach is at 59.6. I think an, a, a change should be made to allow Mike Leach inducted posthumously in the College Football Hall of Fame. Rest in peace, 
Mike Leach. One other sports figure who passed away this week. Didn't get as much attention, but on a personal level, I wanted to bring it up. Paul Silas, the former NBA All-Star head coach, passed away at the age of 79. He was uh, won two championships as a player with the Boston Celtics, another with uh, Seattle in the 70s. I was a huge, growing up in Buffalo, I was a huge Buffalo Braves fan. Had some really good teams. Uh, Bob McAdoo, Ernie D. Gregorio, Randy Smith, uh, Jim McMillan. Some really good teams. And so I remember watching some great rival games with the Celtics, with the Knicks. My family was in New York for spring break. I must have been maybe 10, 11 years old at the time. But I knew all these players. I, I could recognize these players. I'm in the Warwick Hotel, lobby of the Warwick Hotel, and uh, the, Celt- the uh, Celtics were playing the Knicks. I don't know if it was that night, the next night, but they were, they were in the hotel, and I see Paul Silas sitting there. So I just walked up to him, and I said, Hi, uh, can I get your autograph? You know, I'm a... I'm a you know, big fan. I said, I, I'm a Braves fan. And he laughed and he said, yeah, absolutely. He got up. He was sitting down. He could have just stayed sitting down. Got up. I mean, now here my kid, I'm what, 10 years old. I don't know how tall I was at the time, but all I know is I looked at this guy. Paul Silas was a giant. And again, I had a piece of paper and a pen and, you know, asked my name, shook my hand. And uh, yeah, he said, so you've been a Braves fan, huh? I said, yeah. He said, well, you got a good team. He said, they're tough whenever we play them. Talked to him for a few minutes. Couldn't have been nicer. And those are the impressions when you're a kid, they make on you. I think I've told the story about I was in Miami Beach with my grandparents, Eden Rock Hotel. And my grandfather was a huge boxing fan. We look in the lobby and who do we see? Muhammad Ali and his father, Cassius Clay. And my grandfather said, "That's there's Muhammad Ali, and there's his father, Cassius Clay. Go get an autograph. And I had this autograph book or whatever. And he's walking towards the elevator, turns, and he sees me. I kid you not. He takes his hand. The doors were maybe six inches from closing. Puts his hand in there. The door's open. He comes out. And I said, oh, can I get your autograph, Muhammad? He said, absolutely. What's your name? Whatever. Again, took about a minute. Sign my autograph book. I still have it. Uh, when the next time I get up to uh, Cigar Mother's house in Buffalo, I will have to dig that out. But that left an impression. Here's a guy, the elevator could have shut, whatever, stopped. Lesson for all athletes. And many of them are like that. But today, I think some of the athletes are a different breed. Uh, but I'll tell you, back then, couldn't have been nicer. Paul Silas passed away at the age of 79. After he retired from... Playing, he was the coach of the San Diego Clippers. Ironically, they had moved from Buffalo to become the San Diego Clippers. He was an assistant with the Knicks and the Nets, head coach with the uh, uh, Hornets, both in Charlotte, New Orleans, the Cavaliers, including LeBron James's first two NBA seasons, and the Bob- Bobcats. And his son, did not know this, uh, Stephen Silas, has been the head coach of the Houston Rockets since 2020. So Paul Silas left an indelible mark on me. Very nice gentleman, passing away at the age of 79. Rest in peace, Paul Silas. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. The International Cigar Lightation Ceremony today will be devoted to the memories of both men. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. I have just received a box here at Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A, a box of the brand-new Gurkha Pure Evil. New stick that was announced 
Midsummer made a early debut, a pre-release at the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, sold out every cigar they had early on, and it just started shipping within the past month or so. It is a gorgeous-looking box, silver, gherkin red, a skull, kind of spooky-looking. It's got the Gurkha swords on each side of the skull in black and then pure evil in black. And as I open up this box of Toros, box of 20, beautiful looking presentation. Let me take one of the cigars out of the cellophane. Fantastic. And the band is black. Gurkha in red. The skull is in silver, pure evil in silver, as are the swords on each side of the skull. And this is a full-flavored, full-bodied cigar. It is it was originally in production back in the mid-2000s. It ended production in 2007, but it was brought back by popular demand. It is manufactured at American Caribbean Cigars in Nicaragua. This is a full-flavored, full-bodied cigar, Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Comes in three sizes, a Robusto, Five inches in length with a 52 ring gauge, 52, 64, 7 inch in diameter. The Toro, which I have in my hand, six, is, six inches in length with a 54 ring gauge. And the XO, or a Magnum, six by 60. Suggested retail between about $9 and $10. Again, pre-released at the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival last August. Sold out in minutes to VIPs. And Gurkha also has another cigar, the Collection Especial, that was released I will talk about that in an upcoming show, more of a milder-bodied cigar. But this Pure Evil looking nice. It is, wow, smells great. Nice, oily, dark wrapper. It's not a Maduro, but boy, it could certainly, maybe one notch uh, darker, it would pass as a Maduro. But my Gurkha Pure Evil, that's what I will enjoy today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. That sound is the cigar cutting device I will use. It is a cigar wedge or cat's eye cutter, but it's got a spring-loaded release, and then you put the cigar in it, and when I'm ready, you go boom, and it will put a nice V wedge or a cat's eye cut into the cigar. That's what I will use today. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Labs, I have a grenade, giant single jet flame of butane. You could almost call this the welder's torch. Feels like a grenade, it's got the look of a grenade. Big tank, you can adjust the flame. That's what I will use today on this Gurkha Pure Evil. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, let me release the wedge or V cutter. There's the release. I will now place the head of the cigar into the rounded area in the cutter and on the count of three, three, two, one. One motion and I have a beautiful wedge or V cut or cat's eye. Can't go wrong, let me release the parts of the cap of the cigar that I just cut. All right, now I'm going to toast the foot of this beautiful-looking Pure Evil. I have been waiting since I started this show. I've been staring at this box of Gurkha Pure Evils, and I cannot wait. Let me mention that in memory of Coach Mike Leach and former NBA player and coach Paul Silas, in microphone positions two and three, I have a cigar that will remain in an ashtray uncut in their memory. And by the way, even though I'm smoking a Gurkha Pure Evil, both men were not evil in any way, shape, or form. They were great legendary coaches. Paul Silas also a great player as well. So I'm taking my time. I'm just toasting the foot of the cigar. Listen to that flame. Man, I'm telling you, you could weld steel with this thing. Allowing the heat to cause combustion. I will now puff and rotate. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful draw, nice flavors. I love the first few puffs. You know, those virginal puffs, and it's just clean on your palate. You get that initial 
cigar taste, cigar flavor, just around and surrounding your palate. It is incredible. It is cigar-gasmic. Perfect, even amber glow, magnificent. Maybe just let it sit for a few seconds. Wonderful aroma. Mm. Take a puff. Great draw. Mm. Definite notes of spice, notes of pepper. Definite uh, richness, but not overpowering. Again, full-flavored, full-bodied cigar, but a good cigar, even a full-flavored, full personality cigar should not knock you on the ground. It shouldn't be harsh. It shouldn't be bitter. A lot of flavor, a lot of strength, but still when you age it properly, it should be very pleasant. Not for everyone. If you are a mild connoisseur, cigar connoisseur, or medium, medium maybe you can try this, but if you're a novice, cigar neophyte, you like a mild creamy cigar, the Gurkha Pure Evil would not be for you. Now the Gurkha Royal Challenge would be perfect for you. Great cigar, creamy, mild, Gurkha Pure Evil for a cigar connoisseur with a heartier palate that wants a rich, full flavor. Mm. Fantastic. All right, my cigar is now lit. The International Cigar Lightation Ceremony is officially complete. When we come back, bad news. In the People's Republic of New Zealand, a permanent ban on the sale of tobacco, including cigars. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. It's the most wonderful time of the show When the general is gripping a stick for a clipping And that's when you know It's the most wonderful time of the show It's the happiest segment of all with cigar-friendly meetings and long ashes greetings when lieutenants call. It's the half happiest segment of all. There'll be cigars for clipping and cognac for sipping from Tampa to San Diego. It's all over the nation, it's Cigar Lightation, it's right here on your radio. It's the most wonderful time of the show. So go through your selection and choose with affection, cause everyone knows. It's the most wonderful time of the show. Frankie Sumatra and the Cigar Dave Singers getting into the festive time of the year. Well, it is not good news. If you are a cigar connoisseur or if you believe in adult choice, adult freedom in the People's Republic of New Zealand, they have just passed the most draconian prohibition, I think, in the world. They have permanently banned the sale of tobacco, including cigars, to anyone born after 2009. And this is how they're trying to, this is how they're making it palatable to enact draconian regulations and, and incredible prohibition. They're saying, if you currently smoke cigars, 
or smoke pipes or smoke whatever, don't worry. You're fine. You can still buy the product. But if you were born 2019 or after, you will never be able to buy any tobacco. Eventually, it will be total prohibition. And if you think they're not going to say after maybe five, six years, you know, this has worked so well, let's just phase out tobacco for anyone, no matter when they were born. You know that's going to happen. And you know this is going to spread throughout the world. In fact, in England, the United Kingdom and Denmark are considering similar plans. But again, they're saying, no, we're not going to enact total prohibition only if you were born after 2009. So if you're 12 years old today, you'll never start. What's the problem? The problem is you enact prohibition for a segment of the population. You will soon expand that. So it will start initially. Pardon me. It will start initially. For people born after 2009, then they'll say, well, you know what? Let's just, again, phase it in for everyone. And this has worked so magnificently well. Let's eliminate meat. Let's eliminate any sort of meat products because we need to do our part for climate change and nitrogen, and we have to keep the temperature down one and a half degrees centigrade. By the way, most of the country... This coming week is going to experience Siberian Arctic conditions. Zero, minus 10, minus 20. It's going to be frigid. Does that sound like global warming to you? This will be the start. Then they will go after your soda. Then they will go after some other product that you as an adult enjoy. And if you don't think they're going to go after you booze, you better think again. It always starts with one thing, and then it expands to a second, third, and fourth. This is nothing more than control. We're seeing it with the climate change hoax. We're seeing it now with tobacco. They will come after your steak. They will come after your ribs. They will come after your brisket. Speaking of which, I made a fantastic smoked brisket this week. I'll tell you about that maybe next week, a holiday recipe. I'll share that with you. It never ends at just one item. So New Zealand now becomes the first country in the world to ban the sale of tobacco to anyone born after 2009. And what is amazing is New Zealand has very low rates of smoking already. 9.4% of adults last year, they're saying 8% this year, maybe 5% by 2025. Yet this is about control. This is the same, these are the same government enemies of pleasure the same ultra-leftists that would like to make sure you have permanent vaccines, that you wear permanent masks, that there are permanent prohibitions, that you need a vaccine passport. There is no difference. This is about one thing only. It is about control. They want to make sure that you are subjugated to them because they're the ones who are the geniuses that can decide all these things. And as we're finding out now, The vaccine has had many, many side effects, many deaths. The analysis is coming in, and now that Twitter is unbanning everyone and allowing free speech once again, and doctors and scientists to tell the truth about the vaccines and the side effects and the fact that Pfizer and Moderna hid and lied about the trials, They knew there were large incidents of myocarditis. They knew that this was a problem with children, yet they didn't care because they wanted to make their 70, 60, 70 billion every year. Why are they still pushing these vaccines that we know don't don't stop the spread? We know now that more vaccinated people have died of the Wuhan virus than unvaccinated, and we know from looking around at mortality rates that the insurance companies, the life insurance companies, they're seeing even with the year of the Wuhan virus, when death rates spiked, the death rates are higher now, and they're seeing all sorts of issues. If we knew then what we know now, very few of us would have taken the vaccine. In fact, it was initially meant only for high-risk people and primarily seniors. But the big pharma... 
Phony Fauci, they wanted everybody to be subjected to the vaccine all about control. And now we're seeing in New York State, there's a potential law. They want every grade school student every year to take a Wuhan virus vaccination. Same thing if you want to go to college. The Wuhan pandemic is over. We know how to treat it. I've stated this over and over. The therapeutics have been widely available. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. We've seen that uh, uh, Zithromax, Zithromycin, a Z-Pack, methylprednisolone. Using the techniques that, or the method that Fauci has recommended, going into the hospital and going on remdesivir is a one-way ticket to the morgue. It is all about control. It must be stopped. New Zealand is the first. They won't be the last. And we better rise up and say enough is enough. Because if we don't, we will all be subject to the whims of the fascist, uh, fascist governments that now believe that they have the divine right on dictating how their citizens should live and how they should act. Phony Fauci should be arrested. He should be uh, prosecuted for crimes against humanity for the one million plus deaths, get one million counts of murder, and be subject to the penalty if found guilty, which I believe is the death penalty, if I'm not mistaken. So execution, I would be totally fine with once he goes through the trial. And we all know that he hid evidence. We all know that he was involved in funding the gain-of-function research. We know the CCP created this virus, the Wuhan virus, as a bioweapon. But yet, we've got a small group of people in power that say, no, that's not true. We know the lies. They have all been exposed. Now, let's talk about former House Speaker John Boehner. One of the worst speakers in history, Republican speaker. You'll know uh, Boehner is the cigarette-smoking, chain cigarette-smoking, red wine-drinking, golf-playing Speaker of the House. And I know numerous people in the cigar industry that dealt with him. All about the, the, uh, the cash. Sure, I'll come down and I'll play golf with you. Hey, I need some contributions to my campaign. And look, as a speaker, your job is to raise money. I get that. He was one of the worst speakers ever. And he's a pussy. Cries at everything. John, what do you think, uh, Speaker Boehner? What do you think of this beautiful sunny day? It's just such a gorgeous day that it reminds me of... It just reminds me of when I was mowing the lawn and how emotional I got seeing the grass grow and the sun and the beautiful women in bikinis laying outside. Every time the guy frickin' cries... Get a set. Grow a set. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a beta. And this week, Nancy Pelosi's official portrait is the Speaker of the House. When you're the Speaker, you get a portrait. And let's hope that Kevin McCarthy never gets a portrait and never becomes Speaker of the House. But every Speaker gets a portrait. And this week, I think it was Wednesday, they had numerous people that were speaking, and one of them was former Speaker John Boehner waxing poetic on Nancy Pelosi. And let's face it, the Democrats would kick his nuts in every chance. Pelosi would kick his nuts in. And yet, Boehner waxes poetic how wonderful she is. He became a sniveling, crying baby when he was talking about Nancy Pelosi this week. Uh, You've been unfailing... Lee uh, gracious, gracious to me, to my family, and uh, frankly, my team here in Washington. And Madam Speaker, I have to say, my girls told me, tell the Speaker how much we admire her. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't help myself because Nancy Pelosi, when I saw her coming in on her broomstick today, I just got so emotional. 
grow a set. Can you believe how spineless this guy was? Let's take another listen to that. He can't control himself. Uh, you've been unfailingly gracious, gracious to me, to my family, and uh, frankly, my team here in Washington. And Madam Speaker, I have to say, my girls told me, tell this speaker how much we admire her. <laughs> loves her and I love her and I just let me try to hold it together I think John Boehner is smoking too much of the wacky tobacco the cannabis that he's now lobbying for I think he's on the board of directors of some cannabis company and I believe that he is now uh probably smoking too much of the product they're letting him smoke way, giving him way too many samples. You notice how he said my team here in Washington? Yeah, he's got a huge lobbying team. Because what happens? You become speaker, you get wealthy on the public dole, and then you get even wealthier by getting all these clients. And why do you think that he said, oh, you've been so gracious to me? Because when he calls, sure, Pelosi will take his call. Pelosi will see him on his lobbying matters because he rolled over to her when he was speaker. It's a uniparty. The Republicans, the Democrats, they're all in it for the cash. Kevin McCarthy is no different. They're all swamp rats. So John Boehner, you're a sniveling, crying baby. You are a disgrace to the male gender. Grow a set. I'll tell you, a guy that definitely has a set is the former Italian prime minister... Silvio Berlusconi. Not only is he the former Italian prime minister, he is a ladies' man. I think he's now 86, still looks good, still loves the younger dames. And one of the greatest owners in the history of sports for this reason. Berlusconi, who's the owner of the Italian soccer club Monza, told his players that if they beat one of their top Series A rivals, Inter Milan or Juventus, he would give them a bus full of sluts. I kid you not. He said, I told the guys, and this is an Italian. I played the soundbite in Italian, but very few people would understand. But he said, I told the guys, now you will play Milan, Juventus. If you win against one of these top teams, I'll bring a bus of whores into the locker room. Viral video goes all over the place. And of course, in all his Italian opponents, his political opponents denouncing this, come on. I love the fact that at 86, he doesn't give a shit. The guy is, a, I think, a billionaire, if I'm not mistaken. Big media billionaire. He's been the prime minister. He loves young hot dames. He owns this soccer team. What better motivation? I mean, is it better to say, if you all win... I'll send you on a trip for a week. I'll give you, you know, nice championship rings. No. If you say, I got a bus full of whores, a bus full of sluts, you win, all yours, as many as you want. You want 100 each, they're yours. You got to love it. And I have just become a huge fan of the Italian soccer club Monza. And you must be a, a big fan. You should become a big fan as well. They play Inter Milan on January 7th and Juventus on January 19th. I will be rooting for Monza. I will be watching. I will find a way to watch this. And I would love to see if they both, if they win uh, one, one or two of the games, I would love to see it happen. Love to see the feminists, the political opponents. How dare he? He went and he got the bus full of sluts. God bless Silvio Berlusconi. That is absolutely fantastic. Again, no owner here would have the balls to say it because you'd have all the dames and all the feminists jumping up and down. You need to be more like Mario or Silvio Berlusconi, like Mike Leach. Be your own character. You know, Mike Leach, speaking of which real quickly, he had a slogan wherever he went that he put on the locker room wall. It's respect everyone, fear no one. Respect everyone, fear no one. A lesson we all, a slogan we all should live by. Always respect your opponents, respect everyone, 
but fear no one. You are an alpha. You got big nads of steel. You are going to walk around tall. You are proud to be an alpha. You are not a beta. You're not a John Boehner. You're not going to cry at every little stupid thing. Oh, Betsy Pelosi was so good to me. Please. Have that big set of nads and you swing them around, just like Silvio Berlusconi. Lastly, congratulations to my alma mater, Syracuse University. The Syracuse University men's soccer team defeats Indiana University for their first ever NCAA men's soccer championship in Cary, North Carolina. It was on Monday night. What a game. Final score was 3-2, but it went to double overtime, and it went to a shootout. Syracuse scores 1-0 in the first, I think the first half. Then it was tied by Indiana, and then Syracuse scores a minute and a half later. It's 2-1, and then in the second half, Indiana ties it. It goes to a 10-minute overtime, they're tied. A second 10-minute overtime, they're tied. It goes to penalty kicks, and after five penalty kicks, they're both tied. Goes into extra penalty kicks. In the sixth kick, they both make it. In the seventh kick, Indiana shoots first. The Syracuse goalie times it right, stops Indiana. The Syracuse player then goes up, hits it in the upper corner of the net. Syracuse wins in a shootout, 3-2, to two, national champion. So congratulations to the Syracuse Orange Men men's national championship team. I raise my cigar to you today. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Go Bills. Squish the fish. Tonight, tomorrow, a happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Season's greetings. Happy holidays to all and to all. A good life.